Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me if you would Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And I want to look at uh, verse 38. You know, we've spent the beginning of this year um, focused on the Holy Spirit receiving. I'm sorry, not the Holy Spirit. That's where we're going today. I'm I'm reading the words Holy Spirit on my notes. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. Amen? We've been talking about his rule, his reign. We've been talking about his authority. We've been talking about our place uh, in the kingdom of God. Uh, We have been talking about uh, our ability, uh, where it correlates with us, in our ability to rule and reign with Christ. You know, it's one thing to believe in the rule of reign of God, but it's another to find your place and find your position and find your role in the kingdom of God. Amen? And so as long as we are on this planet thinking that God is in control and God is the one Uh, you know, with this sovereign authority and you and I have no uh, place or position other than just to exist and reside here and go along with what happens until one day uh, we make it to heaven. Uh, If we're good enough, right? If we do good, you know, if we are good enough people and really we've even reduced it from what we do in the earth to as long as we pray the right prayer and say the right things, uh, you know, then it really doesn't matter what we do down here. We're going to go on to heavenly glory and be with Jesus in heaven forever. It's amazing how the enemy, um, you know, can twist and pervert and challenge things. Amen? And challenge the word of God. And as long as we allow him to twist um, and ultimately reduce the word from what it is meant to be and what it is designed to be to our lives, then we can never live up to it. You'll never live beyond the level of your understanding. You'll never live beyond the level of your understanding. And so we have to grow in our uh, ability to determine, discern, and see what is the word of God all about, what is the kingdom all about, and how do we play a part in that. In Acts chapter 10 and um, verse 38, we went through a lot. We talked about being seated with Christ in heavenly places. We talked about the kingdom of God and God's original intent, God's plan from the very beginning for mankind and for the earth, again, uh, was to extend his heavenly rule from heaven to the natural realm of the earth. And then he extended his spiritual self into the natural realm of the earth through you and I. He created you in his image. The Bible says, in his likeness, that means to operate, to think, to respond, to function, to act like God in the earth. That doesn't make me God. I have to remain submitted to God as as the ultimate authority, but I am not here just to go along with the whimsical carry Uh, be carried about with life. I am here to dictate things. I am here to govern. I am here to rule. I am here to manage. And ultimately, when the king returns, when Jesus returns, you and I will give an account of what we did with the time and the power and the responsibility you and I had. Yes, you will. 
And he's not just going to say, well, you prayed the prayer one day, come on into glory. No, he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Come on, there's plenty of plenty of, 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 of Jesus' parables where he talks about a master coming back and asking of his servants, what did you do with what I gave you? We'll all get asked that question. And the one that received the well done, good and faithful servant, that was the ones that went and multiplied and used and applied what the master left with. What Remember the master or remember the servant that left his one buried in the ground? Y'all remember that? Amen. He didn't get a well done, good and faithful. He was given something to work with, one talent, right? Even if you got one talent. Even if you got, and let me just go ahead and clarify this. We all start with one talent. You don't get two until you've been faithful with one. You don't get four until you've been faithful with two. And God never gives you what you cannot handle. God never gives you beyond what you have proven you can be faithful with. Amen. Well, we then moved on to the purpose and the mission of Jesus. We said that Jesus is the most misunderstood person that's ever walked this earth because many people misappropriate his function and many people misappropriate what Jesus came to the earth to do. Uh, Matt, can you go grab my big iPad off of my desk? Um, For whatever reason, this one is not giving me what I need. Um, Jesus came not to just die on a cross for your sins and get to heaven. I know a thousand times that's, that's what we hear uh, over and over again. Jesus came to die on a cross for your sins, shed his blood for your sins so that one day you could die and go to heaven. No, Jesus came for a much bigger and greater mission than that. He came, he came with a much bigger picture in mind. He came to bring back what Adam lost. And Adam didn't lose heaven, did he? We saw this. Adam didn't lose heaven. Adam and Eve weren't wandering around a garden saying, when are we going to go to heaven? When's Jesus coming back? When's one day we're going to walk on streets of gold? No, they were only interested in what is God doing here in the earth right now. I'm bringing heaven to the earth. I'm bringing the kingdom to the earth. Amen. And so we saw that uh, Jesus came to restore what Adam lost. And you and I now, we get to be a part, we get to be a part of that restored kingdom. So I'm no longer just looking in this life of one day when I get to heaven. Now I'm saying, what do you bring into this earth and what's my part to play? What do you bring into this earth and what is my part to play? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I want to see something very interesting here with uh, Jesus and his mission. Hallelujah. I'm reading, what are we reading out of? What do we got? New Living, New Living Translation. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, everyone say Holy Spirit, and with power. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So the first thing we have to understand about the mission of Jesus 
is Jesus did what he did. I'm going to repeat this again. We saw this a couple weeks ago. Jesus did what he did as a man submitted to the Father and empowered by the Spirit of God. You got to grasp this. Because here's the reason why many of us miss the kingdom, is we don't understand how to execute the kingdom. We don't understand how to carry out the kingdom. I, it, just because I know that God is bringing the kingdom of God from heaven to earth, I need to know the capacity to which and how I'm supposed to bring that kingdom from heaven to earth. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you rely on natural ability alone, you will never bring the kingdom to this earth. I'm going to talk about a facet of the kingdom today that really has kept us blind on the kingdom of God because we don't ever talk about somebody. We've left an individual out. This verse tells us that Jesus did what he did, bringing the kingdom from heaven to the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit, not because he was the son of God, not because he was God in the flesh dwelling among us, not because he was God and is with God and always it will be God. If he did those things as God, then sure, let's all for the rest of our lives just wander on this earth until one day we can go to heaven and be with him. But if he's asking you to bring the kingdom from heaven to earth, you will never accomplish that naturally. You will never accomplish that on your own natural ability. You'll never accomplish that out of just your own ability. There was something else that God intended for you to receive to accomplish his will in the earth. And this verse right here is where most people remain in the dark. He was anointed of God with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the... Notice he needed the Holy Spirit just to do good. Did you know you need the Holy Spirit just to do good? Just to do the right thing? He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. What's he doing? He's going around the earth and he's reversing everything that the enemy came to do. He's reversing everything the devil came to do. What does the thief come to do? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And what did Jesus say I came to do? I came to bring life and life more abundantly. He went around the earth doing what he did in his ministry, not as God, but submitted to God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do you and I? need the Holy Spirit. If God in the flesh still needed the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the Godhead operating on his life and through his life to function and to do what he was assigned to do. Let me tell you something. God has been using his spirit upon mankind from the very beginning. And he hasn't changed his template yet. He hasn't changed that model yet. He hasn't changed what he's doing. Men in the Old Testament, in fact, in Genesis chapter 6, just write it down, jot it down. I'm not going to have time to get to everything today. But in Genesis chapter 6, it said that man had become so sinful, 
and man had become so prideful that God had to remove or withdraw his spirit from man. But it was by the spirit of God. Remember when God breathed into Adam? That was his spirit going into Adam and says, this is how you're going to function. This is how. And we were never designed to operate in this earth apart or separate from the spirit of God. And you go back and you look at men like Gideon and men like Samson, even men like David. And you'll find where it'll say that the spirit of the Lord came upon him or the spirit of the Lord was with him. Why? Because you cannot do God's assignment in your ability. You cannot do God's assignment, kingdom purpose, kingdom realities. You cannot perform those in this earth without the Holy Spirit. I would put it this way. The Holy Spirit is the executor of the kingdom of God. And as we learned last night, it's not executor. That's not a word. I've been pronouncing it executor. And I was like, sounds like you're killing somebody. That doesn't sound right. No, it's executor. Y'all familiar with that term? uh, Executor means the one who performs or carries out a function, assignment, or work. Executor means one who performs or carries out a function, assignment, or work. And the Holy Spirit. See, we know a lot about God, don't we? We talk a lot about God. Where's God? It's not a trick question. Where's God? In heaven. And we've learned that Jesus, we talk a lot about Jesus, don't we? Talk a lot about Jesus. We learned that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. God is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. But in John chapter 16, in John chapter 16, we see something interesting. In John chapter 16 and verse 7, Jesus says these words. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. So that means he's what? He's telling the truth. He's not lying. It's funny that he even had to preface that, right? The way, the truth, and the life. Even put the preface out there so you had the full assurance and confidence. What I'm about to say is reality. It is true. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus went away. Jesus ascended to the Father. His disciples standing around watching him get ushered into the clouds. And they're like, oh no, what's going to happen? He says, nevertheless, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I do not go away... The helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, what I did down here in this earth, in this realm, I did. Submitted to the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to look at it, but we know in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He comes up out of the water. And do you remember what came down upon Jesus when he came out of the water? You remember, you know. A dove descended upon him. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. Jesus did not do one miracle, preach one message, do one sign. Until that moment. Until that moment. Jesus walked about this earth as a man in flesh, just like you and I, up to that point. 
but he's baptized in water, comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him, and now he's empowered to do kingdom work. And we've already seen this. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. It says that he went about doing good and and healing all that were oppressed. He's reversing all the effects. He came to overthrow the power of the enemy. And he did it empowered by the Holy Spirit. He did it because of the Holy Spirit. Yet the Holy Spirit never gets any mention. The Holy Spirit never gets any any time, airtime. Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't, he's not getting the due diligence that has deserved him, especially today. No wonder we're devoid of the, 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 the kingdom power. No wonder we're devoid. No wonder we're carrying about and, and, and challenged by the same issues and problems that the world is carried about. Who doesn't have the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, they do not have the Holy Spirit. They do not know the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has come to you as a believer. Let me tell you what Jesus did on the cross. When Jesus died, shed his blood for the remission of your sin, when sin came out, the Spirit could come in. Because God's Spirit and sin cannot reside in the same place. God's Spirit and sin cannot reside in the same place. So to get the spirit back in you, he had to get sin out of you. That's why we have the cross. That's why we have the shed blood of Jesus. Not to just cover sin, but to remove it as far as the east is from the west. And now you are no longer a sinner saved by grace. You are a, you were a sinner You have been saved by grace, and now you are a believer, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when God looks at you from heaven, he doesn't see a sinner. He doesn't see one that blows it and misses it and screws it all up anymore. He sees his son, Jesus. He sees a vessel that now he can place his spirit in and upon. And now you have been given the same power and authority that Jesus had in this earth to carry out. And he said, occupy till I come. Work until I come. Keep this thing going. Jesus didn't leave us down here so we could just wallow in our, in our strife and our grief and our issues and our sin. He set you free from that. Delivered you from that. Sin is not your problem. Somebody needs to hear that today. Sin is not your battle. Sin is not your fight. One step further, the devil is not your problem. You've been taught all your life as a believer and as a Christian that it's you against the devil. He's not your problem. I said the devil's not your problem. The devil's not your problem. The devil's not your problem. The devil's not your your enemy. The devil's not your challenge. He's a defeated foe. Can you get the picture today of you as the victorious one? You as the overcomer. You as the conqueror. Oh, the devil's been beating my brains out for 47 years, Pastor. He's just been knocking me around. The devil's been knocking on my door. Tell him who he is and put him back in his place. Quit fiddling with him. He's not even worth your time. He's not even worth your time. Look at how much time Jesus spent with the devil. Let's just look at it. 
Look at how those conversations went. He didn't have to pray him away. He didn't have to rebuke him away. He didn't have to have a conversation with him. He didn't have to beg him and plead with him. Oh, please, Mr. Devil, leave me alone. Don't mess with me. No. He was tempted to the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And every single time he brought him the word. And all it took was one moment where he said, get away from me. And he had to flee. The Bible says that if we submit ourselves to God and resist the devil, he will flee from us. That word flee means to run as in terror. He's afraid of you. He's threatened by you. Or at least he should be. If the devil's not threatened by you, then maybe we haven't figured something out yet. If you don't pose a, a, a threat to the enemy, if you don't pose a threat to his kingdom, if you don't pose a threat to his territory, then we need to figure out why not, and we need to become the threat that we ought to be. He's not a threat to you. You are a threat to him. Jesus did not war with the devil. And when he went down to hell, he took back the keys to death, hell, and to the, and the, and to the grave. The Bible says that he whipped him and stripped him, made a mockery of him. Made him look stupid. Yeah, that's my God. That's my God. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. By the enemy. Reversing the effects. How, are, are we reversing the effects of the enemy in our world? Are we reversing fear, turning it into peace? Are we reversing hate and turning it into love? Are we reversing anxiety and turning it into a sound mind? Come on now. We should be reversing the effects of the enemy. Everywhere you go, every day of your life, you should be reversing the effects. Yeah, the Bible says the devil, he's, he's the God of this world. He's the ruler of this age. And everything we're seeing and all the brokenness and all the challenges and all the issues is a result of one individual and one individual only, Satan. Fell like lightning. Took a third of the angels with him. Jesus shows up, and he's everywhere he goes. He's just reversing the effects. Sickness and disease has no place. He said, I came to heal the brokenhearted, restore the captive, set free the prisoner. And he did all that empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then he tells his disciples, it's actually to your advantage that I leave. That's crazy talk. That's crazy. You're, you're actually better off without me here. What? He said, because if I don't go, then the spirit can't come. In essence, he's saying this. You should actually have a greater anticipation for my spirit coming than for my coming. 
Y'all didn't even get that. Y'all, it just went right over your head. He said, you should have more anticipation for the coming of the Holy Spirit than the coming of Jesus. Oh, yeah, how many of us are all waiting and anticipating for the soon and coming king, right? We're waiting for Jesus to break through the clouds and rapture us back back to him so we can go live in our mansion and be set free from the tyranny of this world and the brokenness of this world. But how many of us are waiting with the same or even greater anticipation for the coming of his Holy Spirit? No, we've removed him from the conversation. We've removed the Holy Spirit from the equation. We've removed the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I'm telling you now, you will not do kingdom work without the Holy Spirit. That's the bottom line. And you can't show me one person from Genesis to Revelation that did. Even in the Old Testament, kings, priests, and prophets could receive the Spirit of God and the work that they did. You know, there were prophets that raised dead people. You know, that they were Spirit-empowered people. Uh, One individual got the sun to stand still for a day. Another one spoke to dead bones and they came back to life. These aren't magic tricks. It's the Spirit of God working and doing unusual things to the natural mind. But as long as we relegate our kingdom power to our natural resources, let me tell you, it's dangerous to try to do spiritual work under natural ability. It's dangerous to try to do spiritual work under natural ability. And the Holy Spirit is here to assist you, to help you to lead you, to guide you, to show you, to teach you, to reveal to you, to empower you, to equip you, to strengthen you. The Holy Spirit is the key. He's the key. If Jesus is the most misunderstood person on the face of the planet, then I would say that the Holy Spirit is the second most misunderstood person on the face of the planet. We ignore him. We cut him out. We shortcut him. We make fun of him, we ridicule and mock him, and then we wonder why we're not seeing power in these last days. In Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, no, we need the Holy Spirit. It's time that our churches learn to depend rather than tolerate. We're we're no longer just giving the Holy Spirit his little corner and his little moment. He's either a part of your everyday life or he's not a part of it at all. He's either a part of your everyday thinking and processing and talking and and evaluating and, and he's working in you to shape you and to form you. I'm tired of us ridding ourselves of the Holy Spirit because of what we don't understand or even because of experiences. Have you ever had a bad experience at a restaurant and gone back to it? Anybody? Yeah, you have. Quit lying. You all have. 
You had a bad experience. They talked bad about you. They didn't treat you the way, and you went back. Some of y'all are still using services today, even though you had a bad experience. But then we have a bad experience with the Holy Spirit or a bad experience in church, and we quit. Some of y'all have bad experiences at work, and you still go because they pay you. You don't like anybody you work with. You don't like the person you work for. You don't like the person you work with. It's too far. They demand too much of you. You're burnt out, but you go because you get a check. But the second we, have a de- we think we have a decision, I don't like that church because they talk in tongues and they do that stuff. I'm out of there. I had a bad experience. You'll work with offended people, but you won't go to church with them. Come on now. Just tickling the ivories a little bit this morning. <laughs> Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. New Living says this. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. If the Father's going to promise you something, don't you think you need it? I promise. Well, man, I'm, I'm holding on to that. I'm holding on to that. John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And even up to this point, even after Jesus has died and crucified and rose again, they're still thinking naturally. They're still thinking in natural terms. They're still thinking in natural components. So, so is this when you're restoring that kingdom? See, Jesus talked about the kingdom so much that they got it mistaken, and they're looking for a natural kingdom. Is this when you're going to do it? And look at Jesus' response. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So he answers the question of, is this when you're restoring the kingdom? He answers a when question with a who answer. He answers a when with a who. When are you restoring the kingdom? It doesn't matter when, but in the meantime, you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't really matter when it takes place, because you're going to have the Holy Spirit upon you, and he's going to empower you to to last and sustain and do what you're supposed to do in the meantime. And what does he say? You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I like the way verse 8 reads in the Amplified. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 in the Amplified. But you will receive power and ability. Everyone say ability. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So if I only receive the power and the ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, that means that I am relegated to my own resources until I receive the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're seeing today. We're seeing man do its best possible 
impersonation of the Holy Spirit. Even believers, even Christians, Christians that have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Christians that have not been filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, you are still left to your own power and your own ability naturally. Trying to make the word of God work for you without receiving the Holy Spirit. Look, there's a reason why Jesus said, go and wait. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until you have received the promise that the Father promised you that I have already spoken to you about. Look, I'm gonna make it real sharp and clear today. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people ask me this question all the time. Well, is it necessary? Well, it depends on what you think you are supposed to be doing. Right? Do you need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven? Nope. If you only want to wander through this earth, hoping and seeking and reaching to one day go to heaven, then don't even bother with this sermon. Tune me out. Put your AirPods in. Walk, out, walk back out the door. You don't need anything else I'm going to tell you today. If you only want to pray a prayer and one day walk into glory, then you don't need to hear anything else I have to say. But if you want to live in this earth and you want to operate as God called you to operate, as a man and woman of God, submitted to the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit, then this message is for you. Is it necessary to get to heaven? No. To bring heaven, yes. Do I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to go on into glory? No. Salvation does that. Salvation is not by your work. Salvation is not by anything you could do, being good enough. Salvation is by faith through grace alone. It's not anything that we could accomplish or do on our own. And salvation gets you access to the Father. Salvation ensures that a life separate from this body is a life together with Jesus. Absolutely. But according to Jesus, that wasn't enough. I'll say that again. Salvation, according to Jesus, was not enough. There's more. Look at your neighbor. Say, there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more than just living this life hoping one day to get to heaven. There's far more. There's far more. And we've left out the key of access. We've left out the one that helps us make the kingdom accessible to our every, everyday life right where we're at. And he tells his disciples, don't do anything. Don't go anywhere until you have tarried and waited for the Holy Spirit with that same anticipation. With that same, they were in that upper room anticipating. And look, you and I get to read about that account in Acts chapter 2. They didn't have an Acts chapter 2 to read about. They don't know what they're waiting for. They don't know what this looks like. They don't know what baptism of the Holy Spirit looks like. They don't know what to expect. They just know we're waiting. We're waiting. And we will know when we get it. We will know when we receive it. 
So go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of them? Every single one of them. All 120 of them that were waiting in anticipation because Jesus said to wait. And Jesus said, when I leave, he will come. This is my replacement. This is the one that's going to carry on the work after I go. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They received the Holy Spirit. There's three ways that the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer. Three ways, and I'm going to go through these quickly. Three ways the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer. Number one is to be born of the Spirit. To be born of the Spirit. In John chapter 3, we know about this conversation. John chapter 3 and verse 1. Jesus speaking with a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Verse 2, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Everyone say that. Say, God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the what? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Jesus was again referring him back to the kingdom. He says these signs, this evidence that you're seeing is evidence of another kingdom. You have been watching the kingdom of darkness operating in the earth, but I've come to bring life and life more abundantly. I've come to overthrow the power of the enemy. I've come to reverse the effects of darkness in the earth. And everything you're seeing is evidence of another kingdom the kingdom of God, unless you are born again. Verse four, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. The first way that the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer is at the point of salvation. The Holy Spirit comes and he lives within you. The Holy Spirit comes and he lives within you. And he comes to help you live according to this new nature. He comes to help you live according to the new person you are. 
We know 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 tells us that when you become born again, old things are gone. Behold, all things are made new. You are a new creation. So the first thing the Holy Spirit shows up is he introduces your old self to your new self. Hello, old self. Meet new self. New self, conquer old self. And so the old ways of life, the old ways of thinking, the sin and the hateful and the lustful ways of living and all the stuff that came with living under the kingdom of darkness, now they are eradicated by you living according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. You have been born of the spirit, a brand new creature, a brand new creation. The Holy Spirit comes and then he introduces you to the fruit of the spirit, right? Because the fruit of the flesh, the fruit, the fruit of a carnal life is hate, lust, greed, hypocrisy, immorality, right? All these things. Paul lists them all in Galatians chapter 5. He lists out all the fruits of the flesh. And that's how you used to live. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you and he teaches you a new way to live. He teaches you love instead of hate. He teaches you joy instead of sorrow. He teaches you peace instead of fear. He teaches you goodness and gentleness and faithfulness. He even teaches you self-control. Instead of living an undisciplined, whimsical life, now you can live controlled. Now you can live disciplined. Now you can live a directed life. The Holy Spirit teaches you things. That's why it's called fruit of the Spirit. The first way the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer is being born of the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verifies this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children... We are his heirs. He goes ahead and breaks it open for you. He says, look, when you came into the kingdom, you didn't just come in as a slave. You didn't even just come in as a servant. You came in as a child. That means you're royalty. A child of a king is royalty as well. You are a prince. You are, a, 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 you are royalty. You are a princess in the kingdom of God. You are queens and kings unto God. You are a, you are a new person. And he says, you are children, and the Spirit of God bears witness with this. I love how the Passion Translation reads these verses, starting with verse 15. You do not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are his heirs 
We are heirs of God himself, and since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience uh, being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. This is what the Holy Spirit does at the point of salvation. Being born of the Spirit co-joins you with Jesus. Now everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. Everything that Jesus is, you are. I said everything that Jesus is, you are. Everything that Jesus has, you have. If Jesus has access to it, you have access to it. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. It's yours. I said it's yours. It belongs to you. If it belongs to Jesus, it belongs to you. You share with him. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. It's called the fruit of the Spirit because it comes from having the Holy Spirit within you. You cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit being in the world. You cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit until you are made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Verse 10 says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Number one, the first way the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer is being born of the Spirit. Number two, the second way that the Holy Spirit operates in the life of a believer is being filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Too many Christians stop at being born of the Spirit. You receive his nature. You receive his character. You receive his, his, his uh, uh, showing you what the kingdom of God is all about. But they, they, they keep themselves short of the true work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer in being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Matthew chapter three, John the Baptist talked about this. In Matthew chapter three and verse 11, John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. He will burn up the chaff in unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptizing you. Verse 15, Jesus answered and said, Permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. So John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water. One's coming after me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Then Jesus himself receives the Holy Spirit. He directs his disciples in Acts chapter 1 to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, go back to Acts chapter 2, 
verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Further on down in Acts chapter 2, I think it's around verse 38, Peter is up preaching. If you know anything about Peter, he would not have been the one expected to lead the first message. But empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit, he gets up and ministers and he says this, the prophet Joel prophesied, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. On all flesh. On all flesh. The Holy Spirit is for every single individual that has made Jesus Lord of their life. Every one of them. Let's look at a few. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, for you to really get what we're talking about in diving into, you will have to listen again. You will have to write down and review notes and go through this. There's no way I could touch on all of it in, in one, two, three, four services. I could teach a class if I needed to, but we're not going to go that route. If you are hungry for it and you want to know more and you want to get deeper, that's up to you. Y'all hearing me? You have to go deeper. And you've got technology. This stuff is available online. You can listen to what I'm saying three times, four times, six times, ten times. You have the ability to process, to comprehend, and to discover with us. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. You know why this verse is so important? Because you and I are in the Gentiles also category. Up until this point, the Holy Spirit, salvation, had only been made available to the Jews, to the Jewish people. You and I were on the outskirts. You and I were left out. But he said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And Peter shows up at this man's house and his entire family and his servants and everybody. The Holy Spirit falls on all of them. And they weren't of that group. They weren't the inner circle. They were the Gentiles also. And that's you and I. If they can get it, you can get it. If it's for them, it's for you. This is for you. It was poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit? Look at these four words, just as we have. Peter was there on the day of Pentecost. Peter was there in Acts chapter 2. And now he's saying, man, they've got the same thing we got. It's no different. It's no different. They've got the same Holy Spirit we got. They didn't get a second class Holy Spirit. They didn't get a different Holy Spirit. They didn't have a lesser. No, you can receive the same Holy Spirit as they did on the day of Pentecost. No different. 
He goes into Acts chapter 11. He goes back to his people, the Jews. And Peter says, hey, man, I was just over at Cornelius' house. And they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. No, there's no way. They're Gentiles, man. They, They can't receive what we got. This is for us. I'm telling you, they got it. I'm telling you, what I saw was just like what we saw in Acts chapter 2. It's just like what we saw in in Acts chapter 11, verse 15. He's explaining this, the occurrence that we just read about. Now he's explaining it. And as I began to speak, the the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. They got the same thing we got. Then I remember the word of the Lord. Remember remember how Jesus would always get so irritated with his disciples because they couldn't grab onto? And he's like, oh, now I get it. Now I know why Jesus was getting so upset with us. Now I know why Jesus was always getting irritated and, and those deep sighs, like, oh, God. And the, and the head and the hand and, and just, oh, you guys aren't getting it. Oh, now I get it. Now I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift, everyone say same gift, as he gave us when we believed, who was I that I could withstand God? How could I stand in the way of that? If they could receive the same thing we had, look at Acts chapter 19. Look at Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard. Whether there is a Holy Spirit. They didn't even know about it. Now, it says, when you believe, that means when you were born again. When you received salvation, when you made Jesus Lord of your life, did you also encounter the Holy Spirit? Now, Paul is interested in the fact that if you're born again, you ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's implying that if you come into the kingdom of God, you then need to be empowered for kingdom work. It does us no good to merely come into the kingdom and not be empowered to do the work of the kingdom. So he's talking to these brand new believers. Okay, you were born again. That's amazing. Man, I'm so glad to have you in the kingdom. So glad that you received Jesus as your Lord. Did you receive the Holy Spirit as well? And they said, my mom tells me, uh, she did her testimony all the time of when she received the Holy Spirit, and she was in that category. She didn't know anything about it, and somebody had invited her. She had been born again, had made Jesus Lord of her life at some point in her life, and several years before I was born, I mean, probably not more than three or four years, but a Pentecostal church, and she's like, they had just recently been married. Almost every week, three or four months, went over to a couple's house almost every week, And this couple would teach them and show them in scripture 
the filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, why you need to speak with other tongues, why you need to have this occurrence, this occasion in your life, that it doesn't stop at salvation. There's more. She had this same occurrence. Did you know that there's a whole, I didn't know anything about that. You know, as Christians, we do the best with what we know. I said, we do the best with what we know, but we need to know. We need to continue to find out all that is available to us in the kingdom of God. Well, eventually they received it. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They speak with other tongues. I mean, all growing up, that's all I ever knew. That's all I ever knew. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that heritage. I'm thankful for the value of the Holy Spirit. And we don't shut it off because it might be awkward or it might be weird or we might misunderstand or people might not know what we're trying to say or or, or people might twist it or I've had a bad experience. I've had all the experiences. I've had the good ones, the bad ones, the ugly ones. Oh, I knew it was in the flesh. I knew it. Doesn't change my experience. I'm not going to stand before Jesus and say, well, but they got in the flesh. And he's going to say, okay, I give you a pass. He's going to look at me. He's going to say, well, what about you? What about you? Did you know about the Holy Spirit? Did you receive? Well, we didn't know. Verse 3, he said, into what baptism into what then were you baptized? Into John's baptism? Well, that's not even, that's not even Jesus' baptism. That's, that's the baptism in water for the remission, for, for, for repentance. But Jesus came to do more than that. He came to give you a new nature. They, they were still following John's discipleship, John the Baptist. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the what? The things of the See, the kingdom didn't stop with Jesus. It kept on going. I'm telling you, if you grab the last few messages that we've been preaching, it'll change the whole way you read the Bible. Kingdom will pop right up off the page to you every single time. Ephesians chapter 5, verse verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 19. Don't be drunk with wine. Because that will ruin your life. The New Living Translation reads. Verse 19 says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The first way that the Holy Spirit operates in the life of a believer is being born of the Spirit. New life, new nature, new person, new spirit on the inside of you. And now I die to the old nature and I live to the new nature as Romans chapter 8 tells us. But once I'm born of the Spirit, I need to be filled 
with the Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to come upon me to do kingdom work. You know what comes with the Holy Spirit? An endowment of power? Boldness? Yeah, I said boldness. A boldness that is not anything like you could ever do on your own. You would be amazed at the boldness you would have. You would be amazed at the times you would open your mouth when you, don't, when you didn't think you'd ever open your mouth. That word boldness, referring to the boldness that comes as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon you, it actually means uncharacteristic and unnatural. Uncharacteristic and unnatural. The third way that the Holy Spirit operates in the life of a believer, and we're not going to get into this today. The third way that the Holy Spirit operates in the life of the believer is being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. Worship team, if you come. I've just merely introduced you today. I've just merely introduced you to the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're in this room today and you've never been born of the Spirit. You haven't been born of the kingdom. You haven't made Jesus Lord of your life. If you would, just stand with me. I want to give people an opportunity this morning. If you are living life without the Holy Spirit within you or upon you, you're living at a, at a great deficit that God never intended for you to live. If you are living without the Holy Spirit, you are living beneath, subpar to what God intended for you. We will not change the world. We will not change. We will not bring the kingdom of heaven without the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.